When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of the View from the Bridge podcast. It's been a quiet weekend for Chelsea, some would say, um, at least up until Sunday evening. And Graham Potter was relieved of his duties, I think in many people's eyes, finally relieved of his duties. Um, but we're here to discuss it all today. I'm Scott Trotter, Chelsea correspondent for Football.London, and I'm joined by fellow Chelsea correspondent from Football.London, Bobby Vincent. Bobby, how are you doing? Have you slept? Yeah, um, I'm good, Scott. A uh, bit of a manic Sunday night, uh, but apart from that, it was quite a chilled weekend for me. So, But yeah, um, Sunday night, it sort of finally happened. Uh, something we all knew that was going to happen, but maybe not. And when it did, but it, it, it's, you know, it can't, it can't really come as a shock when it's been all we've been talking about for the last couple of months, really. So, yeah, very much so. And, you know, I think most of us probably thought Potter would still be in charge for the Liverpool game, particularly when we got to, you know, eight o'clock on Sunday night following that Aston Villa game um, after the suggestion that there had been talks. And I guess just to, to kick things off, do you want to kind of, outline what happened following that Villa game for Chelsea to get to the point where, where they did part ways with Graham Potter. Yeah, so obviously the the Villa game in itself was it was uh poor from Chelsea's point of view. You know, it was it was a game we sort of have seen quite a few times this season already. Uh Chelsea having loads of chances, um loads of shots and goal, but failing to have that end product and Villa, you know, not having many chances at all, but just being clinical, and it it made the Stamford Bridge home crowd um, quite frustrated at the end. You could you could hear boos at halftime, but at the time I wasn't sure if that was uh, towards the referee or not. Um, and then at full time, it was quite clear the boos were for Chelsea and Graham Butter, probably in particular. Uh, yeah, and then Chelsea. Um, there were talks on Saturday night with uh, senior members of the board. Unclear at this stage, to me anyway, if Potter was involved in those talks or if they were more about him, but they they happened and that's supposedly when the decision was made. 
but then we got at the time I didn't know that and we got to Sunday morning um Scott got a, got an email from the club about a press conference on Monday afternoon saying Graham Potter was there so it was essentially business as usual so we thought anyway and then you know um, me and Scott both have a day off yesterday so we were just chilling on a Sunday and Sunday evening I was I was playing PlayStation actually I was playing a bit of FIFA um, with my friends and then um, I had Chelsea Chelsea's notifications on on the on from their Twitter and I just saw club statement and you know when you see club statement you're like oh no I was hoping it was about like season ticket prices or something um but I clicked on it Graham Potter sacked um leaving the club and I was like okay 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 so me and Scott both logged on to work uh wrote an article for this morning and yeah I mean it I think it's always a bit of a shock when a manager sacked even how another sport is was um I, it, it, we, me and Scott were just talking off there. I think perhaps a bit surprising they've done it now when, you know, he almost over, not overturned, he almost got out of this really bad run of form, um, you know, when Chelsea were winless for however many games and they had those, you know, those four games for the international break, three wins and a draw, um, where there was definite signs of improvement. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the Villa one was ultimately the sort of final straw for Potter. So it doesn't come as a surprise as such. Uh, just, you know, to happen on Sunday evening. I think the, the Sunday evening before as well, um, Tottenham sat Conte. So I don't know if it's like a new thing, Sunday evenings with London clubs, but hopefully it doesn't continue. And yeah, I mean, sad to see him go. In a way, I, I, wanted, it for, I wanted it to work out for him. He's... Um, Seems like a lovely bloke and seems like I think he is a good coach. I think he will go on to be a success wherever he goes. But I don't think Chelsea was the right job for him. Um, came at the wrong time. Was just always an uphill task for him. So good luck to him. But yeah, I mean, back to the drawing board for Chelsea as far as it goes. And we wait to see. Yeah. And uh, I think to an extent, it almost feels like even if Potter had stayed, it would be back to the drawing board. Because as you mentioned, like that game against Villa was the same as many Chelsea games we've seen this season. And, you know, we, we, we obviously spoke about how many shots Chelsea had against Villa and they probably dominated most statistics apart from the important one, as, as Graham Potter put it at the weekend. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk about the the quality of those chances now and whether they are actually good chances. And, you know, maybe we'll find out that moving forwards under a new coach. But uh, yeah, Saturday in the ground, I don't know how much of it came across on the television, but it did feel that the crowd was kind of not one that was going to be won back anytime soon, um, as you alluded to, the booze at halftime and full time. But certainly when that second Aston Villa goal went in, um, it did feel like the atmosphere could turn quite nasty. We heard the kind of chance of you don't know what you're doing and that was perhaps a more significant portion of the crowd than you would usually expect uh for those kind of things particularly for for your own team and you know it felt like it was really going to get quite ferocious and only the introduction of N'Golo Kante following that goal perhaps stimmied that a little bit and you know obviously 
Cantor, brilliant player. Everybody was very happy to see him back and playing his first minutes under Graham Potter, which is still crazy to think, no matter how many times you say it. Um, but as you said, I think the decision people probably expected, one that you can't really argue is the wrong one, given Chelsea's form under Potter. Um, I think it does maybe put the owners in a little bit of a difficult position, given everything that we, we heard at the outset of Potter's appointment, that Champions League football didn't matter, they were going to stick with them. Obviously, February, we heard confidence in Potter, this is a long-term thing, the connections to Mikel Arteta and Arsenal and the success they're now having. And like you say, just that that weirdness that, you know, Chelsea picked up some results and then the first defeat is gone. Um, that That is a bit unusual, but and it does make you wonder why, why they didn't do it maybe a little bit sooner. Maybe it was the proximity of that Champions League game, though. There is another one. Um, but yeah, you, you would you would say it probably was the right decision, I guess, Bobby? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, only time will tell in a way, but I, I don't think... It, I, I, I just think from the outset he never really had the fans on his side and I think that was for a number of reasons one of them being the way Tuchel was sort of treated and left it when Tuchel was sacked in um September that was genuinely like a huge shock it wasn't wasn't the same as this where we sort of have seen it coming for months almost but Tuchel was you know it wasn't a results thing or so they said it was just right he doesn't fit the way we want to do things so we're going to get rid of him and obviously how popular Tuchel was is with Chelsea fans um whoever came in next had to be someone you know who almost like a Jose Mourinho sort of type person someone with a massive aura about him someone who can you know he can make Tuchel look almost calm as you know so to speak but Potter, was, Potter is the complete opposite of Tuchel in the way he acts. And it, it's not that I don't mean that to be a, you know, a detrimental thing to Potter because, you know, he's his own person and he's his own coach. And he loves the way he coaches um, has had its success in the past, just not with Chelsea. So that's absolutely fine. He's not Tuchel, but for Chelsea fans, it was just the, it, the polar opposite guy came in and, um, you know, I saw I saw some <clears throat> the other day about Unai Emery. Sort of when this team were two 0 up, he was still on the touchline, going absolutely mad, going absolutely mad at his players. And Potter, Potter's team were two 0 down, and he was sort of sat in the dugout. And it's just things like that that we began to frustrate Chelsea fans. And yeah, I mean, it, it was just something that was. It never really seemed like the right fit. I, I always try to talk myself into it, and there were times where you know Chelsea got some good wins, and you could get on the Potter bandwagon. But I do think ultimately it will be the right decision, and I just think this next, the next process, the young well, the process has already started now, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about loads. Um, it has to be, it has to be done right because. Todd Bowley and the Chelsea ownership group have sort of said from the start of their tenure that they don't want to be like Abramovich, but now this is already, this will be the third manager of the season. And I I think I saw some Abramovich never sack two managers in the season. So, you know, 
practice what you preach, so to speak. And they've got they've got such a job on their hands now to find the right man. The the, the next guy they get has to be checked the manager for the next, you know, four to five seasons at least. That they want that long term project. They thought Paul was the guy. He isn't. He wasn't. Um, so now they have to find the right guy, and it, it can't be rushed. Yeah, and, and they're going to have to persuade that person that they will stick with them as well. Though I guess, I guess with the, the big payouts you get when you are relieved of your duties as a football manager or coach, maybe it won't take too much persuading. Um, I think, as you kind of pointed out there, that there has been a lot of trying to get on board with what what Potter could do and his successes. Obviously, we've got the caveats. Providing some difficult circumstances, the injuries, the you know thirty-one player squad, and, and they're not going to be things that help the next coach uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But for the time being, I guess you wonder how much is actually going to change. Um, the statement last night obviously said that Potter is going to help facilitate a smooth transition. Uh, I guess we're yet to really find out what that means. But his a lot of his coach and staff are still in place. Bruno Salto, the former Brighton playering coach is going to take interim charge and he'll be in the press conference on Monday afternoon and presumably, unless things really speed up, we'll be in charge against Liverpool. Um, so it's difficult to see what's really going to change, but I guess the, the points that have cost Potter maybe the most are some of the decisions that have proved difficult to understand <clears throat> this weekend. We obviously saw Reese James and Marco Carrera in, as part of the back three, while Trevor Chalobah and... Benoit Badia-Shield were on the bench. I think in isolation, obviously, Reese James and Marco Carrera playing in the back three, they're not necessarily bad decisions. We've seen both of them be successful in that, and particularly with Reese James, I saw a lot of people criticising him playing there, but we saw under Tuchel last season, he had some good performances and also could manage himself a bit better, better there in terms of the workload on his you know injuries. But it did just feel a little bit weird to see that in the starting lineup, didn't it? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. Um, especially when you know you've got Badishil and Chalaba who have both done really well when they played this season on the bench, um, and I feel I think Chelsea, as much as it does make sense with managing Rhys James's workload, I think they def- desperately missed you know his attacking abilities because on those days Chelsea's most sort of influential player going forward which seems uh, crazy to say because he's a defender but it is true but yeah I mean the them two decisions on um, Saturday and I just some of his substitutes as well uh, you know have been criticised a lot I, not necessarily bad substitutes to make but some, some of them like he's brought Conor Gallagher on a lot recently um, when Chelsea are a gold up or something. Not on Saturday, but um, sorry, just before the international break. Uh, when Chelsea were a gold up and felt like a lot of fans felt as if they needed to bring another attacker on to sort of try and win the game and not sit back because we've seen a lot of times Chelsea try and sit back and then bite pressure on and it not work. 
Um, but he's he's taken a more conservative approach and you know brought an extra man on in midfield, which it, in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it's just something Chelsea fans perhaps aren't used to and wouldn't get under other managers. Again, it's just yeah. I mean, I don't. It, it, the fact that it's Potter and everything that goes with it is just. I feel like anything he did was sort of going to be criticised in the end, and that's why I think it had to end because. It was almost toxic on online, on social media, in the ground. If you speak to any Chelsea fans, it, it got to a really bad point. And yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't helped himself in a lot of ways. But I, to be fair to him, he, he's always he always stayed real. He never he never tried to fit this Chelsea manager mould where. You know, he's he a really passionate, emotional guy. I mean, we saw him against Dortmund where he looked a bit more, you know, a bit more riled up on the touchline. But I think that was just to do with the severity of the game, how big the game was. And a lot of people asked, oh, is this a turning point? Is this going to mean he's going to be like this from now on? But I think that was just the one-off of the game and that's fine. And if he, if he doesn't conduct himself like that, that is absolutely fine as well. But it's just not what Chelsea fans wanted to see what they needed to see and <clears throat> I think whoever they get in now I think I think it it goes a long way if they're a, they are an emotional guy who sort of wears his heart on his sleeve and I think that translates a lot to the fans inside the ground we see we see a lot um, with like Pep Guardiola uh, Antonio Conte Jurgen Klopp they, they, they all sort of they can change the atmosphere with some of their antics on the touchline um and that, that i think that there's a lot to be said to that and i think whoever is going to be the next guy i think having something like that will will definitely help them yeah certainly and i think your piece this morning kind of noting that a lot of graham potter's problem being that he wasn't thomas tuchel and the next guy having the benefit of not being graham potter is really yeah. astute um so yeah, I guess I guess we do then move to what is next for Chelsea. Um, Julian Nagelsmann is obviously the the big name that we're hearing the most about, given his departure from Bayern Munich, um, what just over a week ago now, which obviously saw Thomas Tuchel take reins in in Germany. Um, I guess I guess what do you make of him, Bobby? What what have you heard so far? And <laughs> He's obviously already said that, or it's been reported that he doesn't want to take a job immediately following his sacking by Bayern as well. Yeah, um, just heard uh, what you know. What we probably all know by now that Chelsea are sort of interested in potentially appointing him. They'd like to interview him um, and you know sort of find out more about what see if his his visions and goals. Um, co-align with um, what Chelsea want and if they, if they think it's the right fit uh, obviously help, helps now that he's uh, without a job but he, he's someone who probably has a lot of interest in him I mean Tottenham are seriously linked and probably were the favourites before Potter sack in um, obviously Real Madrid as well uh, there's lots of rumours in Spain that Ancelotti's going to take the Brazil job in the summer so that obviously frees up a big role at Real Madrid and you know managers 
most managers dreams to manage a club like Real Madrid so that, that that could complicate things especially like you said if he doesn't want to take the job straight away and then waits to the end of the season and there's potentially a you know a free seat at the Bernabeu so it's definitely not one that it's definitely one that's going to be tough for Chelsea there's, there's going to be a lot of things for them to do and I don't I don't think from what I heard, it's not that he's he is V one. It's not like that they're going all out for him. They still want to interview other people. Um, Matt Law from the Telegraph has just put out a piece, and I think it says about Pochettino, um, Spalletti of Napoli, um, God, Luis Enrique might have been one other. I can't remember now. Um, but he, yeah, Matt Law is very reliable, and I'm, I'm sure that is going to be the case. Uh, so then I think it's a process where Chelsea do they they do need to look around before making a final decision because they don't want to with with Potter taking over from Tuchel it was almost like as soon as Tuchel went we sort of already knew didn't we that it was gonna be um, Potter from the start and there were a few other names we knew we know Pochettino was talked to then but it always felt like it was Potter or you know bust so to speak and. That all happened very quickly. I think it was within, you know, 36 hours maybe of Tuchel being sacked, the Potter being appointed. And I suppose at that point, because it was the start of the season, they almost had to rush it. They didn't want to be without a manager for long, but because Chelsea now, you know, they're still an important end of the season. They've still got a Champions League game, um, two Champions League games against Real Madrid. But they're is almost a bit you feel like there's a bit more time because the end of the season's on the horizon and they'll have the whole of preseason. Um so I think this one is one that needs to be fought out a lot more. Um and they just need to conduct it better than what they did in this um in September. And I think to be fair, they have a team around them now with, you know, Paul Winstanley and Lawrence Stewart, people who have more experience in football than Todd Bowley and Birded Egbali. So I think it they're in a better situation they're in a better they have more, you know, uh equipment almost to deal with this situation um, than they did in the summer. So yeah. They just need to, as I said earlier, they just, they just have to get this right because it's so crucial now. It can't, it can't be a case where this next manager is going to be sacked, you know, December. They, they, this has got to be the, the long-term thing. Yeah, and obviously you think about Potter, they spent £20 million getting him from Brighton. There's obviously going to be more expenditure now, now that he's departing. This really does, I guess, from a financial perspective, you can't afford to do that every season. Um, but there are going to be, I guess, other issues that need resolving. We talked about them before. It could be a really positive thing if there's a new manager come in, but do you then let them look at this massive squad before making any decisions on who will depart or do, are those decisions separate now? And I guess that's maybe the benefit of having the sport and structure where you talk about Win Stanley, Stewart, Obviously, I Joe Shields and Christopher Vell as well. I guess that's to make these coaching decisions easier because less has to change at the club. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I don't think many of them, if any, were Potter signings in January. So it wasn't the case with we had with Tuchel and Aubameyang. 
Um, so it, these players are all sort of, you know, they they can be for they can be for anyone. It wasn't necessarily Potter wanting to sign them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's an exciting opportunity for whoever comes in because they've got they got a huge. It depends which way you look at. It, of course, they they have a huge squad of players, loads of options to pick from, and they've obviously got the ownership group who have shown they're willing to go and spend hundreds of millions of pounds in transfer windows. So the, the, it's a project, and it is a, a. We've heard a lot from new signings about this, how excited they are to join Chelsea's project, and you know maybe that that's been for some it's been. The deciding factor over joining other clubs. So I want. I, I just want to know. I wonder if it's the same for a manager for the project. Is that exciting, or whether or not they might be put off by how the whole Potter situation planned out? Because he was, you know, genuinely the guy who was going to spearhead the long-term project, and it's ended within less than eight months. So it it'll be interesting to see how that affects the their next appointment, whether or not um, managers will turn it down because they think that not much has changed since from Abramovich and the whole sacking culture. It, yeah, it, it's a very, it is a very difficult job. I think Potter said during his time that it's the most difficult job in football. And a lot of people, a lot of people seem to be irked by that because of the money and you know tools he had at his disposal, but he he is right in a way like that. They're obviously there. There are different difficulties from like being a non a non league club um, struggling to you know make ends meet, but with Chelsea that this is the pressure that comes with it, and almost it almost has to be perfection or it's not good enough, and that that is the way the club has become and. It's just it's it's a very very difficult job for whoever takes it, and they have to be a very, they have to have very broad shoulders and um, almost not be affected by the noise that comes with it because it 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 can you know have a real impact on whoever whoever takes the job. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess outside of of all the. Um what we might have heard and those kind of things. Is, is there a manager you would like to see at Stamford Bridge? Um, I'm, I've always been a huge fan of Pochettino. Like, always been a huge fan. I think he was really unfairly sacked by Spurs. I still have this theory, and it's just a theory, that, that they only sacked him because they wanted Mourinho for the Amazon documentary. Because, um, he, he, you know, Mourinho in a documentary is just absolute gold dust. But... Nah, I, I, I've always liked Pochettino. I think I think what he did at Spurs without winning a trophy, albeit, but I think it was I think it was exceptional and something we obviously haven't seen at Spurs since. You know, they've had Mourinho and Conte since and they haven't done anything and for whatever reason, like we can talk about Spurs for hours, but <clears throat> Pochettino is someone I, I I really enjoy watching his teams. I really enjoyed watching it at Southampton when he was manager there. And then he went to Spurs and created this sort of. It was almost like an English core at Spurs, and it was really, it was really good to watch. And he also got to Champions League final. So I, I think someone like him would be great um, for Chelsea. I think Nagelsmann's a really interesting one because 
I'm not gonna. I, I didn't watch much of him at Bayern Munich, um, apart from real Champions League game. But I watched quite a bit of his Leipzig um, sides at the time, um, in the Champions League especially, and you know that very um, modern way of playing, very high pressing, sort of really in your face off the ball, and then on the ball um, tried to transition as quickly as possible. And when you look at the the Chelsea side at the moment. Um, they they do obviously press high, but there's no real counter attacking plan. Um, there wasn't really one under Potter. I think Chelsea are the only side in the Premier League not to score a counter attacking goal this season, which is a bit bit of a mental stat. Um, so I, I would quite like um, whoever comes in to have a sort of have that in mind because I think it, it just makes more more entertaining football when a, t- when a team can counter-attack in five seconds and have the ball in the back of the net. So someone like Nagelsmann is perfect for that. Uh, I, I don't know too much about Lewis and Rike, I'll be honest, apart from uh, he's done a good job at places. I, I saw an interesting link with Marco Silva yesterday. Don't know if there's any truth in it, but um, it was a... It was a strange link when you first saw it, but then when you think about it, he, he has an exceptional job at Fulham. Um, so who knows? But I, I think that would be too similar to Potter. I think, I think they need almost need a bigger name than that. I think they will get it as well with one of the people I just spoke about. But yeah, Pochettino and Nagelsmann for me. Um, I don't know what you think, but I, I, I just want to see sort of entertaining football week in week out, and obviously with a bit of success. Yeah, I think Poch is, is an easy spring to mind, particularly with the young the young players that Chelsea kind of want to push through and promote. And obviously there is that Tottenham connection that might make that difficult, maybe on both sides, I don't know. Um, but Nagelsmann, there is that sense with Christopher Vavell and Lawrence Stewart obviously having that Leipzig connection as well. Maybe that is kind of easy, not the right word, but it, it, it seems a fit that they already know about. And Kunku as well, I just thought about. Yeah. So it does, the decision coming quickly after he is on the market, maybe as they as they did with Enzo Fernandez, trying to get in there before these other opportunities arise in the summer with what you mentioned about Real Madrid and the like. It does seem lined up, but as you say, we're not hearing that he is the one. He is on the shortlist, I guess. But um Again, it does seem a lot of things would maybe fit together for that appointment, though. Maybe he, despite the profile of the jobs he has had, he is obviously another, well, very young compared to Graham Potter still, I guess, but a young coach who's kind of very much a coach. Um, but we will soon see. And I guess before, or likely before we find out the answers to all these things, there is Liverpool tomorrow with Bruno Salter in charge. Um, both teams not in the position you would expect them to be at the start of the season. Chelsea obviously fallen to 11th at the weekend, Liverpool down in 8th after that Manchester City scoreline. Jurgen Klopp not quite having the season that he's wanted to use uh, either. Um, I guess we were talking over the weekend as well. And is it who, who is this match an opportunity for, I guess? <laughs> Well, to to be honest, it's an opportunity for obviously an opportunity for both um, Liverpool will now sort of be looking at it to try and take advantage with you know it goes both ways. Of course, you get a new manager bounce that cliche. Obviously, caretaker manager, but they 
Bruno might get, be able to get them up for that game. Um, or Liverpool could be looking to sort of, you know, um, take advantage of the uncertainty at Chelsea. And but both teams are, you know, wildly have wildly underperformed the season. Um, I mean, Liverpool are in eighth and Chelsea are in eleventh, but there's only like four or five points between them. So this game could have a real sort of impact on that. Um, Liverpool were poor at the weekend. They were they were playing Man City away, so that you know their away form's been awful this season. So it was never a game where anyone expected them to win. Then they went one nil up quite early on um, for a good goal from Salah, and but after that it was just it was almost as if they scored too early, and so it almost would have been better if they had kept it nil nil for longer, um, and then scored a bit later, and then Man City wouldn't have got quite as wound up as they did, and turn it on and absolutely thrashed them for the rest of the game and 4-1 to be honest if you had looked how the game went Klopp probably would have taken it because Man City could have won that could have scored eight there easily uh, so yeah Liverpool away from home as well especially have been so poor um, so Chelsea will fancy that but then you know Chelsea against Villa the other day if Liverpool obviously be watching that a lot over the next couple of days and they'll be they'll be fancying their chances as well because there's plenty to get out of Chelsea and look if Chelsea play if Chelsea could lack the end product they did on Saturday against Villa as bad as Liverpool have been this season they could still you know we've seen, we've seen them beat Man United 7-0 um, they've still got that in them if, if on their day they've got the attackers to really humiliate the side so that Chelsea will be hoping that isn't the case, and like I, I know you're going to ask me for my score prediction in a minute, but it's going to be a draw, isn't it? Because Liverpool Chelsea is always a draw. Oh, draw. Um, I mean, it might not be now because we predicted it, but like it, we can say what we want, but we all know that game is going to end with both teams getting one point. <laughs> um, hopefully, not in the sort of Wembley way where we saw two nil nils last season, but. You know, the, the, the two sides, you know each other very well at this point. But obviously there are a few more players at Chelsea now that um, wouldn't have faced Liverpool last time, even though it was only a couple of months ago, thinking about it. Uh, it's a very quick turnaround for the two games. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it'll, be really, it'll be a really interesting atmosphere at Stamford Bridge uh, to see sort of how the fans have reacted. It might... It might benefit Chelsea because a lot of fans, like you mentioned earlier in the um, podcast, a lot of fans were very much Potter out. So to see someone else, albeit Bruno, who a lot of fans won't even know a lot about, might might um, cheer them up. And you know, it's at home against Liverpool under the lights, you're expecting to go out. So. Yeah, and you, and you do say it, it, it will be a draw this weekend, but I guess. You are going to be in attendance, in attendance at Stamford Bridge. Uh, I think since December in the Premier League, you've only seen Chelsea win. Is that right? Yes, in the Premier League. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah, and I, I saw the uh, Dortmund win as well at home. Yeah. So, so that's quite something. I mean, maybe Graham Potter will be throwing out accusations of sabotage as your train was cancelled on Saturday when you were due to be in attendance against Aston Villa. Yeah, and um, the, the just for the international break as well, it was there was a train strike as well. So I missed the Everton draw. 
So I, I think it, I think it is just me to be honest, and I think you know, I think it when Chelsea Chelsea's hiring process, I think they should really look at Bobby Vincent because yeah. what he can do. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly do not have a chance in that job. I've not seen Chelsea win at all since their first match in November against Dynamo Zagreb. Well, so maybe well. may, maybe they won't let me in at all. But um, you know, we're both due to be there tomorrow night, so it'll be interesting to see whose record wins out. I think. And I just want to point out as well to the listeners, Scott goes way more than I do as well. So for him, <laughs> not, for him not to have seen a win since when was it? November, yeah, yeah November, yeah, that's mental. Um, but you know, we'll both be you're you're going tomorrow night, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll both be there tomorrow night. But it's gonna be a drill, as I said. <laughs> Liverpool, Chelsea is always a drill. Yeah, uh, I guess as we kind of already noted with the coach and staff, it's it's all changed, but a lot still the same at the minute. Um, and I just wonder. What kind of changes do you, do you think we'll maybe see for this Liverpool match? I, I guess the obvious one that comes to mind is, is the likes of Baddy Ashiel and Chalaber. I don't think Chalaber's played since... Uh, uh, sorry, don't think Chalaber's started since the last Liverpool game, actually, and he does seem to be a regular feature in those Liverpool games. Um, I think Potter said last week there's a chance that Wesley Fofana could be available um, tomorrow night, which would be massive. Maybe Raheem Sterling could be back in time for that as well. Um, so yeah, what, what what do you expect from Chelsea tomorrow? Oh yeah, it, it's obviously really difficult. It'll, it's interesting to see what Bruno will do um, in terms of does he sort of stick with uh, three at the back, or does he have you know does he have different ideas? Because with a lot of these caretaker managers, what you got to think is if they've got coaching aspirations in the future. Um, then this is a perfect stage to show it. So if he has something that he thinks will work, then maybe he'll just go with that. So um, it's, it'll be interesting. But I, I, I think I'd imagine he'd stick with three at the back and bring Badi Ashid in for Kukurea. Um Perhaps Chalaba for Reese James and put Reese James out to the right. And then it, it'll be interesting as well to see what he does with Kante because... Kante had a few minutes on um, Saturday, and I thought he looked quite good considering. Um, yeah, playing surprisingly high up the pitch. Yeah, yeah, it was actually. Um, he had a chance today where you know he probably should have done better, but because it's Kante, you sort of let him off. And the fact that he's, you know, missed so much football as well. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he plays because I thought he did all right uh, considering well everything he was out for. You know, at eight months and coming in to a side that was playing so poorly, I thought he did all right. But then it's it'll be interesting to see because you got Kovacic and Enzo Fernandez, who for the most part have done really well um, in recent games. So unless he goes to a midfield three, because Liverpool are most likely going to go for a um, free in midfield, they always seem to go four three three or four two three one, however you look at it. So it'll be interesting to see if he matches that up. But I, I do think it'll be something we've. You know, um, the four in midfield, the two wing backs, and the two centre mids. Um, Chilwell on the left sort of picks himself at a moment. I think he's he's playing some good football. Frustrating on um, Saturday, but I still think he's been playing good football. And then the front three will be interesting. Mudrick didn't really do very well on Saturday. He missed two sort of golden chances. Um, you just you, you feel he does need that goal. He really needs that goal. 
thought it said a lot in it that a player needs a goal, but I think in Mudrick's case that he really does. And um, before we can sort of start seeing what Chelsea have paid all his money for, uh, Havertz and Felix, you know, didn't have their best games on Saturday, but I think I think they still deserve space on the side. Not sure on the situation of Raheem Sterling. I guess we'll hear more about that um, today at the time of recording with in Bruno's press conferences. Bruno's press conference. So he could come back into the side, and then you've obviously got the likes of Madueke, Ziyech, Pulisic. But you, Pulisic maybe could start, but you wouldn't necessarily you wouldn't think Madueke or Ziyech would start. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think what will be really interesting to see, and this will work in both directions, I guess, but as you highlighted, Ben Chilwell, been in very good form recently, certainly looked to be the attacking outlet at the weekend. Just seeing him, you know, maybe preying on Alexander-Arnold's shoulder a little bit. Um, he's obviously maybe a little bit unfair to say of vulnerability, given he's not always getting the support he perhaps needs in that position, but I think that'll be something Chelsea are probably looking to take advantage of again. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be fascinating to see who takes that third forward spot if we, if we do stick with the same formation. Um, as you said, Mudrick didn't really do enough to hold that place down. And still, and as fit, maybe, maybe he does come in again just to try and test that Liverpool defence and yeah, well, well I will say yeah you're about to say it I think um, Liverpool's high line but Modric could really benefit from that you know against Velo it wasn't uh, quite compact didn't really have too much space he obviously did have those he, he had that one where he did get through a goal and he took the shot really early but I, I think against Liverpool there's potentially a lot more chances than that so that would be really interesting yeah, definitely. And I guess with plenty to report on today, um, a press conference to get to, a new manager to find, we'll leave it there. Um, we'll have lots and lots of coverage on Football at London as Chelsea search for their new manager and look to take on Liverpool on Tuesday night ahead of Wolves at the weekend. And, you know, there's a Champions League uh, quarterfinal just around the corner as well. Um so yeah, make sure you follow both Bobby and I on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be providing lots of updates in the coming days and weeks. There'll be loads on the football.london website. And, you know, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to, please do subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice review. Um, we'll be very, very thankful. And we'll perhaps be back with another episode later in the week, depending on how quickly things unfold and, you know, to review that Liverpool match. Um, thank you for joining me once again, Bobby. Any last words before we depart? Stop being such a mess, Chelsea, and making my job difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a sentiment that I think many fans will be looking forward to. So, yeah, thanks again for joining us, Bobby. Thank you all listening in for listening and uh, we'll speak again soon.